responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Livestream. Tonight, my friends, we're going to be joined by Jason Fick of the Social Media Freedom Foundation. Jason has a number of cases related to free speech and uh, something, hopefully, that will be headed to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have been talking about the need for reform of Section 230 for so long. Jason has been in the thick of it since about the beginning. So please do me a favor. Don't forget to like and share the broadcast. Help me by getting this out there on your favorite social media platforms. I'm going to drop Jason's website into the chat here. And you guys can check that out either while the show is going or afterwards. Either way. You guys are having a lovely, lovely Friday. Saturday, Saturday, God, Saturday. All right. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after this. All right. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And please welcome our guest for this evening, Mr. Jason Fick. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Zach. How are you, sir? Excellent. Uh, I'm very, very happy to finally have you on the show. Uh, We have uh, been acquainted prior to this because we did a a program about social media censorship and uh, been aware of your case for a while. Um, First, I want to get a little bit of background into you. What is your background? What's your specialty? And how did this lead you into this fight against social media censorship? Well, let's see. Let's go back. It was 2010. So over a decade ago, uh, I had decided to start up a magazine and it was uh, called WTF Magazine. And of course, everybody thinks it's the acronym, but it, it wasn't. It was Where's the Fun? We were supposed to basically just do fun stuff. I mean, it was that was the idea of it. And um you know, I, I started out cutting teeth like everybody does on, on social media, but I was predominantly working on Facebook, like almost exclusively because some of the other platforms didn't even really exist at the time. And uh, it was like 2011 and then very much so the 2012 that I got very aggressive about building an audience because I realized that, you know, when you build a social media audience, it's not just about the content. It's not just about, you know, um, you know, what your thoughts are, whatever, what it is, is it's a distribution list, you know, for us old timers, we call it a Rolodex, right? Right. So, uh, so that's essentially what you're doing is you're building a distribution list. And I realized that it didn't really matter what page I had necessarily. It was just about getting numbers. So I started building, you know, the, this huge audience. Now at the time I was 
dead broke. Like, dead broke. But hey, I mean, they said, hey, come build your business on Facebook, you know, reach your audience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, of course, you know, we know now that's a lie. They they wanted us to build their business. That's the thing. This was the Wild West days of Facebook when you, as a business owner, you could come in and use these incredible tools to draw people into the program and then very quickly – they kind of just swept the rug out from underneath you, and then they want you to pay all kinds of money to keep your audience. Yeah, yeah, they call that a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. They baited everybody in. The, the, the analogy that I give it is is almost like imagine just land that was owned, right? The, the land is owned by the government or, or federal government, whoever, right? But this guy comes in and says, hey, look, I'll build you a strip mall, but you're going to have to come build your business. There's no, you know, there's no patrons. But if you come in and build your business and the patrons come in, you can go make some money. So everybody did that. They built all their businesses. And then, of course, the landlord went, huh, we've run out of space here. Mm-hmm. There's only so many patrons that can go in so many stores and spend so much money. So, you know, what? we need to come up with, with some reasons to get rid of some of these guys to get in their paid renters. Mm-hmm. And that's effectively what happened is, is that the advertising program became the paid renters, you know. So So we built, you know. It got aggressive. I and mean, when I say aggressive, like people think, you know, like, oh, wow, I got a million fans. And, you know, and I, and I still see this to the day. And I go, I used to have, like, I, I remember one of my best posts got 168 million likes. Holy jeez. The reach was over billions, right? Wow. My My weekly reach was essentially more than the population of the world. It was gigantic. Why? Because... I remember actually I did sort of, I guess you could say an informal audit. It was the end of 2012 and I, and I counted all of my fans across all of my pages, 16.8 million fans. Wow. That's incredible. Want, want a funny story? You know, the day that I figured out how to monetize this thing was a crazy story. So here I am broke as snot, right? I had, I think $17 in my wallet. That's why I, I counted up to 16.8. Cause my, my son was, uh, he was three at the time. And he comes over to me and he says, Daddy Wessel? And of course, like, I want to be like the greatest father in the, you know, and I, and I always told myself, you know, I would never say no, mm-hmm. right? And he comes up, Daddy Wessel? And I was so stressed out because we were about a month and a half from being kicked out of our home. Like, sure. it, like sheriff sale was coming. It was bad. All my accounts were overdrawn. But I had this stupid amount of fans, like, like 16.8 million. And of course, you know, everybody says, well, you know, you can, you can thank Facebook for that. No, I built that. Mm-hmm. I built it with their tools, but I built it. I actually, in fact, built their platform in the process. So here I am. And I, and I thought to myself, man, somebody's got to want to advertise with it. Right. Which of course, you know, we all do nowadays in order to feed our families. Well, I reached out to the, 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 I guess the, the most similar thing that I could think of to what I did, which was college humor at the time, mm-hmm. right? And I talked to this, uh, this woman, Quay Quintel, what's her name? Interesting name, you know? And um, she's like third in command or something like that. And I said, are you guys interested in web traffic? I could send people to your site. She goes, no, we only work with corporate partners that can send at least a million hits a month. I said, a million hits a month? I could do that today. But she's like, excuse me, what? I said, I can do it today. She said, well, can we set up a test? I said, it's already done. She said, what do you mean? She said, I was doing it while we're on the phone. I said, go look at your analytics, right? So, so all I hear on the other end of the phone is, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did you do? I was like, I sent people to your site. She goes, you got to stop. 
Why? <laughs> Crash our servers. <laughs> oh, that's great. 380,000 unique hits in three minutes. It propagated to more than a million hits in under five. So what their corporate partners were doing in a month, I was doing it in five minutes. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. So I said to her, I said, so are you interested? She said, yeah. I, I said, are you going to pay me? She said, yeah. She said, how much? I had no idea what I was doing, right? Sure. She goes, I don't know, but a hell of a lot. <laughs> Honestly, God, two weeks later, so we're talking two weeks, mm-hmm. my first paycheck came in the mail, $114,000. Wow. I started making a quarter million dollars a month thereafter every month. And it got up over $300,000 a month. Absolute cash cow. Why? Because I spent 18 hours a day posting all sorts of goofy stuff to get the engagement. Right. Because Facebook promised, hey, build your business. You know, you have your reach and distribution and connections right up until they start to extort you Mm -hmm. for advertising money. Because they defrauded everybody. The whole system. The whole day. And we all know this, right? We all can smell it. Like, man, what they did was dirty. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because nowadays it's like all they do is give us what they want to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And and logically, what does that mean? It means they're a content provider. Correct. Because mm-hmm. they're picking it. Yep. The thing was, how the hell do we hold them responsible for this? Right. You, you know, we all know this stupid Section 230 thing. And, and the thing that we're going to talk about today is we finally broke through. Like we now have a pathway because they're running out of corners. Because every time we, you know, because everybody says, oh, well, you lost, you lost, you lost. Yeah, I did. I lost a lot. And that's because the courts just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They would not look at this thing for what we were saying. They were just throwing it out, throwing it out. Well, they ran into a couple snags just recently that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Some big ones, too. So anyhow, it, it, you know, it went on and on and on. And then uh, it was about 20 24 was 20 yeah early 2014 like january something like that and my my reach died like when i say died all the pages were still there i went from making 320 grand a month the previous month to making six the following Mm. it was like they shut it off like a light switch now the thing is how do you come so how do you qualify that my content was an issue when you take all of my pages reach all down at the same time, was it all, did I post the same thing across all the pages? Mm-hmm. No, that's targeted at the owner. That has nothing to, it, it had something else other than content at issue. It was really just, they wanted me to stop for some reason. Right? So do we know what that reason is? I mean, do, what can you divine from what was happening in your personal life? Well, so 2014, there wasn't much I could do because let me ask you this. If somebody, if they, if they restrict your account, right. And they say your, your account, your information was offensive, right. Mm-hmm. That's a specific word because that's what's actually in section 230. You're yep. allowed to block and screen offensive material. Okay. How do you determine what's offensive? Right. Completely arbitrary, right? Absolutely. It's discretionary. They could come up with any. So whatever reason they picked in 2014, there was really no way to say, oh, well, it wasn't my content. They could claim that it was anything for any reason because they're allowed to consider anything objectionable, right? Anything. I used another specific word, otherwise objectionable. It could be anything objectionable. Mm-hmm. 
So now there are two ways that you can interpret that, but that's way complicated stuff. But let's let's just let's take it for what they believe it. You know, when I say they, the courts, what the courts believe it is, it's anything, whatever you find objection. So the problem there is I can't prove it. There's no way to prove it. So I continued forward, you know, 2016, you know, fast forward two more years, 2016 in October, probably not coincidental, you know, in 2016, October was. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, I don't get any notification, no email, no, no, none. I didn't even get a ban. Six pages, just unpublished. I didn't do anything, right? Just instantaneous. They were off. And I'm like, so I appealed one page. It deleted instantaneously. Just when I say instantaneously, 13 seconds. That wasn't reviewed. That was just, uh, yeah, we have this thing set up to auto delete if, mm-hmm. if I challenge it, right? So that's not an actual real appeal to anything. That's just, right. they were just set to shut me down. I lost 14 million fans in that loop. Fourteen million. Everything else stopped working, and I mean, I was just—that was it. Now, I had recovered some. I had figured out better ways. You know, there was better ways to make money. Um, you could you could definitely monetize better than you used to. You know, I mean, these were the early days when I was doing it. But nowadays, you can do a lot of stuff. So, a couple months goes by, right? Something happened in between there. You know, that in November 2016, it was kind of crazy. Um, and it was, I think, January 2017. And I had worked, I mean, obviously, I had worked with a lot of the biggest people in the world. I mean, at one point, you know, my one, that WTF magazine page was ranked number five on Facebook, period. It was the fifth most active page. I was ahead of CNN. Of course, now pretty much everything's ahead of CNN. <laughs> it's not hard to do nowadays. <laughs> yeah, now it is. Um, but at the time, you know, I mean, like, it, it was Bravo. an accomplishment. You know, I mean, Absolutely. this was huge. And um, so I was headed towards big things because people were like, well, what did you lose? Billions. It's called an economic advantage. I was ahead. I was way ahead, right? Mm-hmm. And they slaughtered me. Well, I had worked with other people. And this is a story I haven't really told a lot because I never had the, the time to explain this best, right? So I go and I reached out to an old, you know, an old colleague, but you know, we were still friendly. You work with a lot of people in this business. And it's like you and I, we were acquaintances. We didn't actually work on any videos yet but now we are right Mm -hmm. so i had reached out to this one guy and i said hey look i know you guys do a lot of business with facebook you know they had done i had done forty three thousand in advertising right because all mine was all organic i mean i did it right well they had done 22 million in advertising very big difference right in fact they had reps from facebook that literally came to their business now people said i was nuts that doesn't happen, blah, blah, blah. They also said that they weren't colluding with the government. Mm-hmm. But they actually had weekly and monthly meetings. The reality is they lie. They lie a lot. And when they're done lying, they lie some more. And if that doesn't work, they lie again. It's, it's how their MO works. Absolutely. Right? We'll talk about the AG on that one in a little bit. But uh, so we get to this point where they reach out. They say, yeah, sure. We, we can reach out and see what we can do. And the reps at Facebook literally told them they're not going to reinstate it for me, but they if they own those pages, they would reinstate them for them. Who did you piss off? <laughs> I 
Well, see, here's the difference. I spent forty three thousand in advertising, and they spent twenty two million. So they figure. So they figure by transferring ownership to a much larger cash cow, it's going to be better for them financially. And screw you, because they don't really care about you necessarily. They just care about the traffic and the people coming and 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 staying on Facebook in the Facebook ecosystem. So if this guy can, you know, double, triple, quadruple. 10 times your original spending limit, then it's better for them. Exactly. The motive is there. So now here's the thing. This is where we got them. So I, you know, what are the pages worth to be? Zero. I can't do anything with them. They're dead. Nobody sees them. Right. So I cut a deal. I mean, it's a fire sale, you know, like consider what I had and what they took from me. Right. But I I sold them the pages for like peanuts. Mm -hmm. But... In selling them the pages, I transfer it. The contracts are inked. Everything's done. Three days later, like magic, whatever was offensive was no longer offensive. Wow. See, the thing was, I didn't have the proof before. Mm-hmm. But now what happened was, whatever it was, because everybody says, well, what did you post? And of course, oh, man, I, I've had to deal with this crap every single day. Facebook claimed that page is dedicated to urinating in public. In public, in, in the uh, in the freaking lawsuit, I can't hit him for defamation because it's in the in the process of a lawsuit. It was literally a clerical error. It wasn't my page. It was a cut and paste issue. And not only that, but but since then, there, I still have people saying it, and we've literally fought what's called a sixty B three, which is a claim of of fraud that they lied, they outright lied. They know I didn't own it. They, I never owned it. Mm-hmm. They didn't rebut it. Which means it's a it's a concession that they they lied. Right. They lied flat out. I never had it. It's complete bullshit. And and it has been plaguing me because people won't touch it. They're like, oh, that's a piss guy. No, it's a lie. Wow. That's the kind of nonsense you have to deal with. And I'm sure you you've dealt with stuff like this. Like sure. the, the media matters nonsense, the attacks. And the thing is, and I'm not gonna come, you know, we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna make this make sense to everybody because this is this is real. Like there is a way to fix this mess. The thing is, it just took somebody that's freaking relentless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To do it, and and, I'll, and we'll get there. So anyhow, they reinstate the pages, and whether it was bad content, good content, whatever, it was the identical content. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, now we have reason to sue. Okay, and we go, we sue. In 2018, I brought a lawsuit against Facebook, right? And it's a monster. It's a beast. We, you know, we explained. That whatever it was, why ever they took my content down, it wasn't it wasn't in good faith, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't there was nothing about it that was good faith because they can't prove that. So you're familiar, and, and I'm gonna kind of make this very simple for the people that do not understand this law. There are three parts to this law that are actually kind of important. Mm-hmm. The first part is what they call 230C. Right? It's just like an outline. You get C, C1, C2, okay? The first portion of this law is what's called a long title, right? It's specifically what this thing's supposed to do. What does it say? It says protection for good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive materials. So in there, saying what's going to happen? What do they get? Protection. How do they have to act? As a good Samaritan. Now, what do they do? Block and screen offensive materials. So in there... Congress told them, we want you to block and screen offensive materials. Sounds like a directive to me, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And they get a concession 
that if they block and screen offensive materials, what do they get in return? Immunity. Protection. Right. <laughs> right. Now, the only thing that they said in terms of the motivation, right, this is key, motivation, is Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And man, I can tell you this. This is what we're starting to get into, like what all the pieces are. So that's the first piece that tells you what to do. The next one says, don't provide, and this is the one they say, the 26 words that invented the internet. Heard that one before by yes. one of the experts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, first off, Section 230 is far more than 26 words. That is only 230C1 that is 26 words. Secondly, it didn't invent the internet. So neither of those statements are correct. Okay? So let's go into this. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. That that sentence is going to be key. It's going to be key in everything because that's where they made the mistake. That one sentence. Okay? But we'll come back to that. So what that says, what that one section is, is that they can't be treated as someone else. You understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody else understands it, right? Yeah, well, that's not actually how it's going down. Mm -hmm. But let me, we'll come back to that in a minute. This third portion is 230C2. Now that has two pieces to it. One, the first one, which is A, 230C2A, okay? It says that they can, re- and I'm just going to summarize because it's a lot longer, okay? But it basically says that no provider user, of, uh, excuse me, they, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of materials, we'll just skip it, that are otherwise objectionable, even if they're constitutionally protected. Well, first off, right out of the gate, it's unconstitutional on its face. Why? Even if it's constitutionally protected, Congress does not have the authority to exercise that. And we say, well, they're a private entity. They have a First Amendment right. That is true. They do. But Congress does not have the authority to protect the restriction of speech right on its face. It's right there. We all know that. And they go, mm-hmm. oh, you, and, and, he did, and he did that. And he did. they all point at each other. Mm-hmm. And, and recently I, I, came, I came up with a good way to explain this. You ever watched uh, Who's on First? What's on second? I Absolutely. don't know. Absolutely. Laurel and Hardy, big fan as exactly. a child. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was Abbott and Costello. Mm. I'm sorry. You're right. It is Abbott and Costello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Abbott and Costello does it. And, and a lot of people understand what's, but to explain that, explain what's going on in that interaction, right? That's what the government's doing here. Mm-hmm. They're saying, well, they're a private entity and they didn't do anything. And I think you just, you, you face that too, which is, Oh, well, if you can say that the state's working with these private entities, why are you suing the state? Why are right. you suing the state? Yeah. Well, that's just it. It's everybody's blaming everybody else, but mm-hmm. nobody's anchoring down that there are specific things that are going on, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we have to un- like untwist this massive mess, right? But see, here's the thing. If they took down my content for whatever reason that says it was objectionable and it was considered – right? Um, somehow objectionable and wasn't done in good faith, you would think that they really wouldn't have protection because it's kind of clear that they that it wasn't done in good faith, right? Uh, it, it, it definitely sounds like bad faith to me. Right. Sounds like bad faith. So you would think that if anybody's sitting here, I'm going to tell you that the Northern District of Court, I've, I've been dismissed like seven times, mm-hmm. right? You would think that that would be a, the applicable portion of the law. It's not. They never applied it. 
And see, this is where everybody has made a massive mistake. They are not aware of this. Okay. There was a study done out of 500 Section 230 cases. Only 19 have been applied to 230C2. Okay. Why such a drastic number? Because C1 is actually swallowing C2. C2 becomes irrelevant. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know why? And I'm going to tell you the secret. Ready for this? Let's hear it. And, and it's key because it's it's essentially what unlocks everything. Of course, they tell you that you can't treat them as a publisher, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what they said to me in the Northern District of California. They said, well, you're treating them as a publisher. Yeah, but they removed my content supposedly in good faith, but mm-hmm. you can't treat them as a publisher. Is it removing content a publishing action? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so if you can't treat them as a publisher, but they can act as a publisher, C2 becomes irrelevant because it swallows it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like saying to somebody, you can't drive, but the next law says, well, you can only make a right on red. Sure. It, it's, it's irrelevant because mm-hmm. you can't drive in the first place, right? right? If you can't be treated as a publisher, all the publishing actions that are in the next section, worthless. Mm-hmm. They said... We said, no, that doesn't work because there's something called um, a whole text. There's there's these things, and I'm, and I'm bringing people along. They're called canons of statutory construction. They're the way that laws are built, right? They're like rules, like the, the way these things are supposed to work. So in there, there's several of them that apply here, like the whole text canon. What does that mean? It means that when you're looking at a statute, it has to make sense as a whole. Like they, they can't work together if, if they don't fit. And then now that is called a harmonious canon. It means the damn thing has to make sense. Sure. Logically, one has to have a purpose that's separate of the other. So we went to the Ninth Circuit Court. We said, this is redundant. It's it's not harmonious. It, it can't be that. It's impossible. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. 230C2 is, and, and I'm quoting, is a separate shield of immunity, quote, Perhaps because they developed information even in part. Okay. So if you're developing information as an editor or any New York Times or CNN and you're developing information, is that not publication? It sure sounds like it. Uh-huh. So essentially what they said was, no, it it's separate because they can publish. And you go... It's still redundant. You didn't fix anything, right? Now, here's the problem with that. Development of content, right, is not actually the purpose of 230C2. It's to restrict, not actually to develop. And people were like, and it's funny because, of course, don't even understand the, the, the definition of development. Development is very simple. Any manipulation. They touch it, they've developed it in any way. Mm-hmm. Advance it, retract it. It doesn't matter which way it goes, especially by deliberate effort over time. Sound like algorithm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So development of information was never intended to be the consequence of 230C2, but, but by proxy. By proxy of being able to restrict content, you can also, by proxy, be able to develop it. Mm-hmm. So it's a consequence. Now, if you develop information even in part, and I, I apologize if I'm losing some people because this thing's complicated. 
this is the mess we've had to undo. I mean, it's 26 years of, of disaster, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can develop information, do you know that do you know what that's the definition of? It's like literally the very definition. It's in the law itself. Tell me. So section 230, F3. F is the whole definition section. Mm-hmm. Three is the definition of a content provider, not a service provider. This mm-hmm. is the one that doesn't get any protection, right? And it says any person or entity who is responsible in whole or in part, meaning insignificant manipulation. Okay, yes. For the creation, which we is bringing stuff into existence, what we all do, right? Mm-hmm. Or, not and, or development of information provided online. So any manipulation in any capacity at all makes them a content provider. So the the right. uh, the elevation or the the deboosting of any specific content based upon what they want people to see or what they don't want people to see that right there it, it, it creates the situation where they actually are publishers. There you go. Yeah, that's what we're. Well, no, actually, hmm? again, you have to be careful with these words. You said okay. there are publishers, they're content providers. Con- okay, so they're content providers. Okay, okay, right. So any content, so a, like a like a bulletin board, right? Like a Reddit. Yep. That's not a content provider. That's a service provider. They're they're giving you what everybody understands the platform. The mm-hmm. thing is, is that we're by the time we're done this conversation, people are going to understand what a platform is and what a publisher is, what everybody's functions are, and where they got it all screwed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the thing is, is they become a content provider under two thirty C two by proxy. That's a bit of a problem because if they're the content provider, they're on the hook. Yeah. Now people say, well, no, 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 no. 230C1 already protects them as a publisher. You can't treat them as a publisher. So what they're saying there is no matter what publishing they do, no matter how – so it's it's effectively absolute, complete distributor liability protection, right? Mm-hmm. Right. what they're saying. Do you know there's a problem with that? Everybody says I'm not. Uh, this is the great part. Everybody says I'm crazy. Oh, hey, have you not seen all the precedent? Yeah, the precedent's wrong. The thing is, that's what we've had to do. We've had to bulldoze through the damn precedent because nobody wants to fix the problem. Here's why we know it's wrong. Section 502 of the Communications Decency Act, the same law, same statute, makes it a crime to knowingly distribute child pornography. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. If you can't be treated as a publisher, you can do that. Sure. It's in conflict with the same freaking law. Yeah, yeah. So 502 and Section 230 are now in conflict with one another. Remember whole text canons and the harmonious canons? Mm-hmm. There's there's a problem. There's obviously a problem. So that brings us right back to what I said. It's the magic word. It, it literally is the magic word. And I'll say that again. It literally is the magic word. Okay. The statute says... No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. It does not say a publisher. And there is a very, very specific reason why. Okay. What is that? So, so the words so the words the and a in the English language are called one is called a, a definite article and the other one is an indefinite article. When okay. you say the publisher. First off, you're identifying a singular publisher. Correct. Okay. 
And it is generally somebody in the story that we already know about. Mm -hmm. Another information content provider. Meaning, the publisher relates to the person or entity that provided the original content. Okay? Okay. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it means they can't be treated as someone else. But if you flip it, because they use it synonymously, and it, it kind of makes sense like when you're saying it in a sentence, except for the fact that in this case, if they can't be treated as a publisher, it means that they can't it, – it's indefinite. Like it, it could be anybody, including themselves, mm-hmm. which means that if they act as a publisher, they can't be treated as – so you know, what does this all mean? It means that when they dismiss my case saying that I was treating them as a publisher, sure, I was. I'd stipulate that. I was treating them as Facebook. Who? Let me. Real simple question, Zach. Okay. Who was the publisher of my content? I the mean, publisher. Uh, that would have been Facebook. I mean, because you were publishing it there, aren't? Isn't that it? Or no, no. If I publish my content, who is the publisher? You. Yes. Okay. I was never treating Facebook as me. Okay. I was okay. 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 They were publisher. a publisher. You were the publisher. <laughs> exactly. In a secondary okay. capacity. Right. Got it. Got it. Now, we say that it sounds all great. It makes all the sense in the world. But the courts didn't want to do it. They didn't want to look at the statute de novo, right? What? What? Well, they call it de novo. Sorry, I'm a little overweight. So de novo means anew, right? So the thing is, how? Do we get these courts to do that? How do we how do we get the California wasn't going to do it? They weren't going to upend this mess, right? Mm-hmm. And recently, now there was in between there another case called Enigma versus Bowerbytes, which actually proved we should have not never been dismissed in the first place because they came to the conclusion, you know, because I'm going to go by timeline so people understand. So Enigma versus Bowerbytes came to the conclusion that the Good Samaritan general provision of the Communications Decency Act does not immunize blocking and filtering decisions that are based upon an anti-competitive animus. And animus, for those who don't know, means motivation. Mm-hmm. So now let's go back to the first part again, right? What does that apply to? Well, that's where Good Samaritan exists, right? It's in the title. So that's C. It's before C1 and C2, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. And it always bugged me when I was doing this stuff, right? Because and just so everybody knows, this is not legal advice, and I am not an attorney. I just know more about this than most attorneys on the planet, okay? It bugged me. Why the hell is Good Samaritan in quotes? Right? Have you seen mm-hmm. it? It's in quotes. Okay. Do you know why? No. I'm betting you're getting a good education out of this. Is, this is literally how you pull this damn thing apart, okay? So those quotes bugged me. I'm like, why the hell are they there? And I'm like... Good Samaritan spoke. I'm, I'm Googling the hell out, trying to figure out what the stupid quotes are for. Found it. I know exactly what it's for. So when they write a statute that delegates regulatory authority, right? FCC, mm-hmm. SEC, any one of them. ATF. Okay. The, yep. Those are called administrative laws because they, they have an administrative function. Mm-hmm. Well, Section 230 says it's protection for blocking and screening of events materials. It's administration of of a duty, right? A delegated authority. Yep. Now they can do it voluntarily, so they don't have to do it. But when they do it, 
they had to have acted to block and screen offensive materials as a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Those quotes articulate, articulate, spoken, what's called formally known as an intelligible principle. Whenever they gave, whenever they delegate regulatory authority to any other entity, anybody, doesn't matter what it is, they're commissioning them to do a job. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that they're private. They can be private, they can be public, they can be corporate, it doesn't matter. The, the government wanted them to do a job to block and screen offensive materials, a job that's unconstitutional on its, on its face. Right. But even if, let's just say that they can give it to them and it's constitutional somehow. Okay. So they give them the job and they say, we, we will protect you if you act as a good Samaritan. Now, what does that mean? It means that an intelligible principle means easily understood principle. The, the Enigma Court called it a general principle. Why? Because it just generally is a provision. It's a whole statute is supposed to be acting as a good Samaritan, right? Pretty simple. And I mean, even the word general provision, it would apply generally, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they said this good Samaritan thing, you're not a good Samaritan if you're acting for anti-competitive means, right? It's, it's antithetical to being a good Samaritan. It doesn't work. So they, you know, so we went back to the nine and we said, Whoa. Now, we had already been to the Supreme Court with this, mm-hmm. okay? And we said, wait a second, wait, wait. We have a conflict here because 230C1 can't protect all publishing, and at the same time, the Good Samaritan General Provision doesn't cover anti-competitive behavior because that's what my claim was. It was dead on, like exact same. Right. So we said, that doesn't work. You know what the Northern District Court did? Besides the fact that judge had already retired, held on to the case. Seven months later, he, he renders a two-pager and he says, and I, and I kid you not, Enigma considered Section 230C2, your case was a 230C1 case. Remember those whole text canons, the harmonious thing? Mm-hmm. He basically just tossed that crap out the door. Mm-hmm. Didn't give a shit that it, it conflicts. Didn't care about fixing it. So what I'm trying to explain here is the problem isn't actually the law. This is the misconception. The problem is the courts. Absolutely. It's the administrators of the law. You know, I mean, like there are so many instances where people doing research on a particular subject, they will think they found the linchpin and they very well may have. They may have been able to get to the heart of exactly what needs to be addressed and how it must change. But the problem is these bastard judges, they will not even look at it. They have no desire to do it. They don't care about the will of the people. They don't care about setting precedent that will, uh, you know, further clarify laws or statutes that we have. And and in a place like California, it's quite obvious that um, oftentimes they are financed by the very Silicon Valley tech companies that we are trying to address these issues with. So, you know, so what, what can we do, Jason? Well, is it possible to to perhaps bring this case in another area of the country? I mean, right now there's some uh, interesting things happening in uh, in Missouri and, and with Louisiana and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So the thing is, is that you're right. You're well, Exactly what you're saying is, is that they would not consider it de novo, which means yep. a new. They won't do it. Right. And they threw me out again. 
And the crazy part is, is as we're going through the Ninth Circuit, and this is just sort of a, you know, the, in that circumstance, we said to the, the, the Ninth Circuit, and this is where everything pivots, right? This is where everything changed on the scope of, of Section 230. We said to the Ninth Circuit Court, look, the general provision has to apply generally. It's literally above it. It's got to apply to both. Fix your shit, right? Mm-hmm. And we said, and and meanwhile, while we're doing this, this you know the uh, Fifth Circuit Court, uh, Jakarta Jerkesi versus the SEC, it comes around and it determines that well, if the statute doesn't have an intelligible principle, which it does, but let's just say it's not it. Let's just whatever. It's unconstitutional on its face. Mm-hmm. Gave them a catch twenty two. We said, look, if it's the intelligible principle, it's got to apply the whole statute. If it's not unconstitutional. You picked. Either way, I beat dismissal. Right. You know what they did? They dismissed me on a procedural. They said I didn't file timely enough. Now, Facebook didn't argue that. The Northern District Court didn't argue that. They dumped it because they don't want to fix it. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what's going on here. This yeah. is not, you know, everybody says, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. They won't do it. They just simply will not even, they don't, they've never fixed anything. So this this is uh, it's hard not to draw distinctions between this situation and what we went through after the election of 2020. You know, so many intelligible methods by which we were fairly certain that fraud or and, you know, malfeasance, uh, 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 breaking of election laws, these things took place. People uh, gave affidavits. uh, We presented evidence. We put together incredible cases and the judges just didn't want to even consider it that was it yep they're trying to dump them on standing and uh jurisdiction right yep we'll get to that in a second so the thing is is that they said that it was timely right Mm -hmm. a it it was timely it was completely reasonable based on the circumstances because it was what's called interlocutories it was back and forth in appeal the whole time and then when it was finally out of appeal the supreme court finalized it i literally was going from court to court right thereafter Mm-hmm. It was bullshit. But we had also done three supplemental briefs, which means three other cases actually conflict, and we filed them literally within weeks. So those were all timely, and they jumped those too. And we went back to them, and, and, and we thought to ourselves, did they miss the timeline? You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they screwed up. I don't know. So we did a motion for reconsideration and said, here's our timeline. Are you are, Like, what? What are you talking about? We filed that November 2nd, right? So now we're getting real, real soon. And here's the crazy part. Almost like a divine intervention. This is like crazy stuff here. November 2nd, we file the motion for reconsideration saying, like, this is bullshit. Like, there's no way. These other ones were timely. You didn't even look at it. You just dumped it. The third, November 3rd, another case comes to conclusion, right? It's a Fourth Circuit case. Uh, I believe it was Henderson versus either public data, private data. Let's just say data. And that case made some revelations to change the game. And when I say that, so just so you understand the timeline, the fourth is when I found out about it. The fifth and sixth was the weekend. So my myself and my attorneys were reading it. The seventh, we filed that as a supplemental brief. We rammed it down the ninth circuit's throat. And on the eighth, we got a one word, denied. They cannot claim that that was not timely because it was literally within three working days. Okay. Right. Three business days. So they didn't do this. And we thought, okay, do we go back on now? We're going forward to the Supreme court. So here I am at the doors of the Supreme court 
with this new Henderson case. And the Henderson case conflicts with my case again. But this one's a whopper. And this is like, there was no press about this, right? But let me give you just a couple pieces, okay? So first off, we have this whole publisher platform argument, right? And everybody says, oh, they're a publisher. They... Guess what? They clarified it. They actually did the job. So all of the precedent that has been built over the past 26 years, it all started with one case. Do you know what that case is? No, what was it? It was Zoran versus America Online. Okay. The Fourth Circuit Court had looked at this case, Zoran versus AOL, and basically they determined that they had 230C1 um, protections. And in that case, they, they implied that all publishing decisions, decisions whether to keep content up, take it down, or edit it, are protected under 230C1, which means that they read it as a publisher. Well, Fourth Circuit Court did exactly what the Ninth Circuit would not do. They looked at the statute de novo. They even said it. I'm going to give you a couple of quotes just, just from this Fourth Circuit that are whoppers, right? Okay. Quote, yet Zoran's less list of protected functions, now this is under 230C1, must be read in its context. Context is key. And that context cabins that list to merely editorial functions. It cannot be stretched to include actions. Remember? The actions are the, the second part that go beyond so this formatting or procedural alterations. In other words, that's your platform. That's your service. Because technically, the service is still a platform. It's for publishers, right? It's a publishing platform. So you can't use the word publisher because they're a publisher no matter what. But one is a passive publisher, mm -hmm. right? And they said that if, as soon as they take action here, they said, and they go on and say, and change the substance of the content altered. Well, as soon as you restrict it, advance it, manipulate it, or anything else, that's content moderation. That applies to the second part. There's your publishing protection, C2. They split it. And what they're doing is they're undermining the original precedent that everybody looked at. The foundation just collapsed. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so let, let me read this one. An interactive uh, service provider becomes an information content provider. Remember, as soon as you become a content provider, you're on the hook. Whenever their actions, actions is the key word, cross the line into substantively altering the content at issue in ways unlawful. Now, everybody argues, well, they didn't change anything. You're, you said your content was identical. No, I said it was identical in form, not function. They substantively altered it. They, they took action to make it less visible. They took action to make it more visible. They took action to solicit a new owner. They did a lot of things, right? I mean, you could say that they did something. They manipulated it, right? So I qualify. C1 no longer exists on that. Mm -hmm. They went on to say, Zoran then said that 230C1 prevents suits that, quote, cast the defendant in the same position as the party who originally posted the offensive messages. Wait a second. You mean the publisher? Mm -hmm. They're distinguishing here what none of the courts have done, that C1 only applies when you're casting the defendant as someone else. That's not my case at all. Right. I was casting them as themselves for their own actions. The Fourth Circuit Court is clearing up the mess that pre-existed. Well, thank God. Here's, here's the kicker. So you remember, like, 
whatever content was taken down on my pages, right? Whatever it was, it was the same content that came back, right? So you, you could arguably say that no content was at issue. It was never about content, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Fourth Circuit Court said, quote, thus for Section 230C1 protection to even apply, we require that liability attached to the defendant on account of some improper content within their publication. I wasn't holding them accountable for improper content. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even apply. So w- what does that all mean? Well, they went on to say, listen to this one. There is no claim made based on the content of speech published by defendant. I didn't say they, they were the ones that, that did it. Such as a claim that defendant had liability as the publisher of a misrepresentation of the product or defamatory content. It applies to content. If there's no content at issue, C1's done. It's only when you're trying to cast somebody as someone else for what was said. That's what we all understand, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we all get it. Not one court has done that in 26 years. This is the first one that did it. Now, we have a situation where the ninth is in conflict with the fourth going into the Supreme Court. Only person that can tie, or the only group that can tie break, Supreme Court. Absolutely. And uh, 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 Justice Thomas has expressed some interest in taking a look at a case such as this. Extremely important when you have those two major courts uh, that have rulings that are in direct conflict with each other. I mean, obviously, the Supreme Court has to take a look at it. They have to make that final decision. And then hopefully it's it uh, trickles down, if you will, to the rest of the nation. Um but even in cases, yeah, well, yeah, I just and the reason I say, you know, as long as it does uh, is because there have been some cases recently in regards to Second Amendment rights uh, where uh, California and New York both have openly defied the findings of the Supreme Court of the United States. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if that is something that we may be in danger of seeing here as well. Well, see, I think that some some people we, we won't say who. But, but some people made a mistake with the Supreme Court, right? Obviously, we have three branches of government, Supreme mm-hmm. Court being one of them. There was a threat to pack out the Supreme Court, wasn't there? There was, absolutely. Yeah. Now, does your political party matter if you're sitting as one-ninth of an entire branch of government and being told you might become 153rd? They yeah. were trying to depower them. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. You, you don't threaten the entire branch of government by by diluting their their authority. Oh, no, so, no, no, no. So do you, do you think by putting the Supreme Court on blast with that threat to dilute their power and uh, and pack it with as many let's just say liberals as possible that that might embolden them to make some uh, so to to put out some decisions that are going to significantly affect the legal landscape of the United States? You got it. Yeah. Okay. They, they needed to neuter the executive branch that had gone completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. If they don't, they've recognized their power is going to disappear because they're not they, – they have to handle these constitutional cases. That's that's exactly what I've got here. I mean not, not only is this a, a circuit court conflict at this point, realize I went all the way to the Supreme Court and never once got a hearing. Mm-hmm. That's a denial of due process because under administrative law, if they're protecting any – but I don't, I don't care who it is for taking my property and denying me my liberty. I mean, that's like sitting there saying, well, Section 230 was supposed to, um, you know, if you want to kill somebody, 
you're cool. You can't be treated as a publisher. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You can't take my property and the government can't say, hey, you can take their property and we got your back. It, that's an illegal taking. It's a constitutional issue because I'm entitled to redress my grievance, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't get that. So that actually led to a completely separate situation. So this this is me versus Facebook on the second run to the Supreme Court because the courts have completely messed this mess up. And we're hoping that, you know, they consolidate this with Gonzalez and uh, and the other case that's up there because in those cases, they're they're trying to determine – what happens when they knowingly suggest something that, well, guess what? That's development. Realistically, Gonzalez should win, right? Because if you suggest content and they say, well, they treat all of them, all of them the same. They, you know, they suggest lots of stuff. Well, let me, let me break that one for you. Cause I'm, cause the courts have said that. Okay. Well, yeah, but they, they treat all sites the same. No, they suggested that content and they suggest other content the same, but they didn't suggest my content. Did they? Did they suggest yours? Mm-mm. So they don't treat everybody the same. Right. They only treat the suggested the same. Mm-hmm. So the benefits that get developed all get treated the same, but they de-develop the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same. Right. Of course, wrong again. So we're sitting there going, well, man, they took my constitutional rights. So what did I do? And this is one of those, here we go again with this, this government. I stood, this was what, April. April, yeah. April 27th. I stood on the Capitol steps with Congressman Gomer. Love the guy, right? He's a good dude. One of the, one of the true patriots, you know, that, that, you know, it's unfortunate that we're losing him in January 3rd. But we stood on the Capitol steps and announced probably one of the biggest lawsuits in modern history. Because the reality was, and, and I think you you understand this, but because we knew what the government was doing. And instead of, whole, like, because everybody's like, oh, well, they're state actors. They're state, you can't sue them as the state actor. You have to sue the government. They hit you with that one, right? Yep. That's, that's what we exactly. realized is that, that we were going to have to go sue the government and challenge the constitutionality of the law. We announced that on the Capitol steps in front of all the media. Nobody reported it. Nobody. It's a comprehensive – we tore it apart, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. That's because we understand it. And that's what we're trying to get them to do is understand this mess, right? Well, it's it's an incredibly complex issue, and, and people want to oversimplify it because they hear a soundbite from CNN or, or they see yeah. – well, for example, somebody may be calling into the show from Twitter uh, who is not a fan of yours because you've lost all of your challenges cool. so far. And I, I invite it. I sure. actually wanted to make sure that I put it out there. I invite you guys to call in if you do disagree with Jason. But you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we are dealing with issues of constitutionality and we have been unsuccessful up until this point, that doesn't mean that we give up or we, uh, you know, or that we're wrong. Yeah. Or that we're wrong. Okay. Because all it means hasn't been addressed. It hasn't been addressed. addressed. It is our duty to ensure that it gets addressed or we have to hold them Mm -hmm. accountable. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to steamroll over us in any way that they possibly can. You know, the 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 uh, the expression of free speech is one of the most important rights that we have here in America. And what they've done is they've diluted it much in the way that they want to dilute the Supreme Court. And it's the same with the Second Amendment. And it just goes on and on and on. They continue to strip away little bits and pieces of our rights until we finally get to a point where it's uh, nearly gone completely. And then we notice, 
And then we have to do something about it. And, you know, we're at a pivotal point right now. And I just I don't believe that we should just roll over and say, okay, guess what? You guys, uh, you've totally got me. You know, I mean, like we're screwed and I'm just going to accept it. No, this is like do or die. We are fighting until our last breath on so many different fronts. And this is a a front worth dying for, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, you're nailing it. The thing is, is that, you know, and I laugh you come up because I mean, I'll school them. Like there's nobody because what happens is they'll get into a corner and then they'll come up with some dumb thing or whatever. But the reality here is this. I have lost. I, I agree. Yeah, because I have not. They have not addressed it. They've never actually resolved anything. And all of the dumb nonsense that these people like argue on Twitter. I mean, the Twitter trolls are. But that they keep going back to the urination thing. And it's like, well, that was actually killed in court. Um, so that doesn't work anymore. But the irony here is that of all the losses, do they not understand the four? circuit just proved we're right we now have the same circuit precedent the same level the ninth circuit said lots of dumb stuff the fourth circuit just fixed it they undermined every single case when they hit zoran and i'd be willing to bet the guy probably hasn't even read it zoran tore it apart absolutely tore it apart they clarified everything and you know what it was dead in line with what we've said you know what it was dead in line with what justice thomas said mm-hmm. so we're not wrong they just haven't done it. And they think that I'll oh, get on there and say, oh, you're wrong. You Do they really think that that's going to do anything? Like, no, I'm probably 40 days out for filing a Supreme Court search. You think I'm going to be like, oh, no, I'm just going to give up four years worth of work and fix this mess. You know, like the, the uh, Fourth Circuit actually relied on two Berkeley professors, right? That mm-hmm. finally came to the same conclusions. They knew of my cases. I've, I've spoken to one of them. And believe it or not, the Fourth Circuit relied on theirs to come up with their conclusions, which now conflict with mine when they looked at mine in the first place. Reality is, is that it's the only logical way it makes sense. It cannot mean what they say it means. And the craziest part is, is on my constitutional challenge. Ready for this one? I love this one. And, and, and you know what? I'm making this announcement here first before I even put this out. Excellent. Ready for this one? The United States Attorney General's Office. Just asserted in court filings. So this is official. One branch of our entire government thinks that Section 230 is an affirmative defense. Which means? Talk about a Hail Mary. Now, let me explain this to you. I'm sure almost everybody understands what self-defense is, right? Mm-hmm. That is an affirmative defense. Okay. Okay. What the basic principles of an affirmative defense is this. They write a statute so that you can commit otherwise unlawful acts, right? Because murder's unlawful, right? Yep. Yeah. And if you murder somebody, right, an affirmative defense means that you have to prove a certain set of facts had to occur, right? So in self-defense, what do you have to prove? You feared for your life, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Pretty simple. Okay. So you have to prove this certain set of facts. Do you know that in proving this, like, say you murder somebody, right? And you're going to assert self-defense. Do you get to do that with the police and you just go home? No, no. You're you're, you're probably going to go to trial. Yeah. Right. You've got to go to jail and trial. And then you have to go prove those certain set of facts existed so that you can get away with the otherwise unlawful act. Mm -hmm. So the United States is saying here that Section 230 was intended to commit unlawful acts. But what exactly do you have to prove? And to prove them, dismissal's inappropriate. You got to go to trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't make any sense. No. Because they didn't prove any they don't even have to prove that they're good Samaritans at this point. But they actually do, technically. But the thing is, is that if that's the case, okay, we'll accept that. Then I should have gone to trial, prove that they weren't a good Samaritan and uh, I'm on, you know, whatever, because good Samaritan becomes the, the general motivation. They're shocked. They're literally Hail Mary in garbage now mm-hmm. because that makes no sense at all. And I laughed because I, I heard that through the trolls and I'm sure these trolls are feeding these people. And it's like, damn, our government's messed up because that makes no sense at all. So you're telling me that Congress sat down and said, let's let them commit unlawful stuff, but we're not going to put in there what they actually have to prove to do it. Let's just let them do anything they want. That's complete bullshit. It is. Complete bullshit. Garbage. Garbage. And I mean, and not only that, but let, let me, the last one that I want to touch on is this. Facebook took my stuff away from me, right? This is another one the AG threw out. And it's like, it's a complete, it's a gross misrepresentation to the point of willful lying. Okay. This is what they did. Facebook took my content, right? They took it down. They did it for their own financial benefit, blah, 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 blah. Who did I sue for that act? Facebook, mm-hmm. right? And I was denied due process, right? I was denied. I was dismissed, 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 all remedy. I went all the Supreme Court, didn't get a single day in court. Did Facebook dismiss itself? No. No. The United States government did that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ju- the judiciary. And what were they doing? They were enforcing the protection, mm-hmm. Right. So it's post-enforcement. They, they've already enforced it. They gave them immunity. They took my property. The government protected that action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who wrote it? Did Facebook write the CDA, Section 230? No. Congress. No. Correct. So Congress wrote it. The executive branch ratified or signed it. Mm-hmm. And the judiciary enforced it. Mm-hmm. And we said the government harmed me, which they did. And for some reason, his entire response is, Fick is holding the United States uh, uh, accountable for what Facebook did to it. There's no remedy here because if if uh, if he were to win, he wouldn't get his pages back. My pages are gone. There's no getting them back. It's getting my money out of Facebook. It's holding them accountable. It's redressing my grievance. Right. The government stopped me. They can't tell the difference between, and this is what we were talking about, Abbott and Costello, who's on first, what's on second. They can't tell the difference between what Facebook did, which I sued them for, and now I'm suing the government for what the government did. This is mm-hmm. not super complex. Right, right. Two separate issues. They're just yeah. trying to frame it as garbage. Why? Because when they're hit with a due process constitutional challenge, you know what they're going to try and do? Deny me due process. Of course. Kick me on standing yeah. jurisdiction. And if this judge kicks it, it's like, really? I mean, it, it'll say everything about the judge because it's so blatantly obvious. And it, then it, they said, oh, what? it's too long. No, it's just a big mess. So we had to come. Like, it's comprehensive. We fixed it. Go for it. It's such a mess. And, it, you know, if you can imagine, I don't know, some other crime being committed. Like, there, Nobody is ever going to turn something down. Like, if you cheated on your taxes for the last 20 yeah. years— the government's not going to turn down that case because it's nope. a lot of work, you know. 
Oh, yeah. it's just so ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me let me say thank you real quick uh, to Mitzi. Mitzi over on Cash App. Thank you very much, Mitzi. I appreciate it. She said, uh, you are the news I listen to. I trust you. And I sincerely appreciate that trust, Mitzi, and everybody else out there who does as well. Uh, Liberty Arise over on Rumble said, I love you, bro. Some of that Florida freedom to, oh, send some of that Florida freedom to Hawaii. I absolutely would love to do that. Uh, and then let me just run through the foxhole real quick. We'll see if there's anything on there before we open up the phones. But we do have four people on the line. Don't hesitate to call in. This is an important subject. Uh, PQuest, thank you for that. Can also to Insight Gino. PC Tech Pro says, happy Friday. I mean, Saturday. It's difficult to keep, keep track after so much turkey. Yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind l- lately. Uh, Pacific Northwest Sasquatch says, keep up the info. I learned so much. I'm really glad to hear that. Sean Joe, good to see you. Thank you for that cookie. Ohio Kimmy dropping a cookie as well. Curious Patriot says, uh, thanks always for the knowledge, brother. God bless you. God bless you as well. Curious Patriot dropping two more cookies. All right. I appreciate that, guys. Let's go ahead. And the first caller is DJ Vector. Vector, Jason, is our Australian correspondent. And uh, he's a... a yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. All right, Vector, go ahead and unmute and welcome back to the program. So good. And thank you very much for keeping the chat warm for us before we started tonight. Oh, that's fantastic, Zach. Yes, thank you very much. I did post some stuff that was some source for Jason and as much work thank as you. I could find. So uh, hello, Jason. It's uh, My name is DJ Vector from Australia, uh, from Brisbane. Yeah. So I, nice I, to meet you. I, your work, bro. You sound like freaking amazing, dude. Um, I have some issues, bro. What I'm trying to say is that they keep stifling my free speech. It's non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't negotiate with terrorists, as you know, Zach. Yep. At the end of the day, they've been banning me off everything, even when I was an anon, not even when I had a show. And I don't have much of a show anyway, believe me. Like, nobody knows who I am. But they are so upset and angry at uh, all of the memes and all of that cute stuff. And just all... just really hard-hitting stuff like they're they're not happy why they're so obsessed with me in the first place second question this is the most important thing this is why i called it in the first place um do we need to section 230 or do we need to get rid of it so this this is uh, an excellent question i I actually wanted to to know your thoughts on that jason because you know you 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 look at some place like gab uh you know gab is a company that is properly making use of section 230 you know people might say things that are offensive but Gab is not a publisher. They don't restrict that unless, of course, it's an illegal act, like you're making threats of overt violence or bodily harm, something like that. Uh, and you can block people. You know, you don't have to look at somebody's content if you find it offensive. That's and, and offense is subjective, you know, so they really have no need to be doing this. But what do you think? Should we alter or just completely destroy Section 230? OK, so this is not a yes or no question, but I will, I will explain what <laughs> should be done in order to fix the mess, all right? So if you recall, like as we were talking here, A versus the publisher, right? So the courts are screwing that up, and that's where Section 230C1 went off the rails. It became basically distributed liability protection from everything. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it's been implemented. So the thing is, we have to sort that out. It's, it's kind of like, you know, they were given a road in the desert, and they said, okay, stay on the road, and then you just didn't stay on the road. They just drove off road. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is put the guide rails back on again and say, no, 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 no. It, it could be fixed this, this easily. No provider user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the principal publisher of any information provided by another. Now, that's a legislative change when you start changing language, okay? Or 
if the Supreme Court, which is what they're doing right now, is they're trying to understand the scope of 230C1, which is why we're we're really hoping they consolidate our case, because we've done it. We've done all of it. If you go back to our constitutional challenge, it explains literally everything, okay? Well, I've spent years with this. The point is, is that if we can get 230C1 to do what it was intended to do, which is to protect them from someone else, that's it. C1 becomes constitutional. It's totally cool. Right now, they, it's what's called untenable. It doesn't work, right? Because it's just, it's absurd what they're doing. And the thing is, is that then you get to the second part. Now, this is where it gets a bit more complex because it is unconstitutional on its face, right? We got that one draft, you know, that one document that's kind of sacred. And it basically says that the government can't exercise, you know, can't delegate a power that it itself cannot exercise. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, it doesn't work. So you can't say to somebody, hey, we're going to protect you when you take somebody else's speech. It doesn't work. We all know that. We all feel that. But again, C2 hasn't been the applicable law. It's always been C1 swallowing the other. So it's not what everybody thought. So C2 kicks in and you go, well, technically it's unconstitutional. My personal belief is you get rid of it. Everybody goes, oh, my God, the Internet's going to end. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm sure you've heard they have a First Amendment right. They do. They have a right. That is very different than a statutory privilege. Mm -hmm. That is what Section 230 does. It gives them the privilege of protection, liability protection. That's not a right. You don't you don't have last I checked, did you see the the amendment to the constitution that says you have no liability if it's online? No. It's bullshit. So the point of that is is that they would maintain their right to remove anything they want. And it says, oh, great, we're going to sue the hell out of them. No, we won't do that either. Give you a good example. If you have a kitty cat site and you don't like puppy dogs and you put in your terms of service that we're going to take down anything that's puppy dogs, they could do that. They have, they have every right to do it, right? They can do that because it, it's not even because it's their right. It's because it's their business. They're allowed to do that. Is there anything unlawful about taking down pictures of puppy dogs? No. You need a cause of action, right? Some, you, they had to have broken a law mm-hmm. somewhere along the way to bring a claim in the first place. So if they didn't break the law, they could take anything down. They could have taken my content down and realistically for any reason at all they chose. But the fact is, is that because they put it up for my competitor, it proved it was anti-competitive. Right. I had a solid, you know, it's fraud, it's extortion, it was anti-competitive behavior, it was tortious interference with my business, right? Because part of the fact that they granted them the immunity to take down anybody's content also gave them the ability to wipe out their own competition. The courts created these monsters. That's legitimately what happened. They're mm-hmm. wait, okay? It's not the law, it's not Congress. It was the courts. So C2 could be taken down. They'd still be able to remove content. Their First Amendment's were to apply. It doesn't mean they would be sued for everything, but they still would not be held accountable as the original publisher who provided content under the first one if they correct that one. That's how it should work. Okay. And the reason that that even exists is because when this back at Stratton Oakmont, this is all the way back before this thing even existed, when Stratton Oakmont took some content down in their best interest to, to protect children from harm, that was the original intent. They became responsible for everything that was missed. 
what they had nothing to do with, with what they un, very key word here, unknowingly hosted. The difference with this Gonzalez case in the Supreme Court is they knowingly suggested it. That's very different. That's content development. And C1 doesn't have to do with content development. It has to do with, hey, I, I wasn't party to it. I didn't make any decisions on it. I didn't allow the content because allowing content is an action, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't remove the content because that's another action. And because even allowing content is, that's an action to not act. So you're still doing something, right? That's what it all comes down to. C1 is the passive prong of it. C2 is the, the action prong of it. And lastly, if that actually were to work out right, it doesn't mean the censorship stops. Like there, there, because it was all, how do we kill it? Sorry, there is no way to stop censorship mm-hmm. because they have a right to it. Does it mean, but, but here's the thing. And everybody says, oh, well, but they, they, they do conservatives. They take us all down. Well, let me ask you something. Zuckerberg sat, sat in front of Congress, right? And he said, Facebook is a platform for all ideas. Is that statement true? No. No, it's no. not. You know what they call that? Fraud. Perjury. That is a cause of action, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cause of action. So it was Crap. illegal because it was bullshit. So to That's answer your question is, yes, it should partially be taken out. If it can be severed, great. Take C2, C2 off, fix C1, like basically clarify and articulate it, and the Supreme Court will have solved the problem that the legislatures can't do. I mean, I, I've been... I, I'm not going to throw any names out there, but I've been in front of a bunch of congressmen. Why? Because I rewrote the damn law, too. Mm-hmm. You like Freedom Act. News. What'd you say? You are fake news. No, I know you are. <laughs> they are fake news. All right. Yeah. Vector, Vector yeah, I just wanted to say, you're you're actually a celebrity in the Red Pill 78 world because everybody knows who you are. So don't uh, don't don't be too humble tonight. But Please tell everybody where they can find you. We got to go on to the next caller because we got a ton of people on the line. Okay, before I just quickly say that, I'm going to say, uh, bro, do I actually have First Amendment rights here as an Australian broadcasting on Rumble or Odyssey if they're registered in the United States? Uh, very quickly, and uh, I'll give you the last word. My my channel is DJ Vector 117 I'm doing a lot of Gematria stuff now, so I'm going deep back to my roots, as I discussed on the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much for the the very nice comments and all the rest of it as far as being a celebrity. I don't know about that. I like being an anon. That's nice. All right. um, <laughs> uh, but, um, Jason, uh, I've done a lot of research. I posted all of those links for you in the, in the, the, the chat comments. So people should have no excuse to go and do their homework and maybe contact you if they need something. Uh, I'm fascinated. So I'm going to go back when I get time and I'm going to make the most of um, finding out what my rights are because here in Australia, listen, I have no rights, bro. I'm going to no. be proper effed if I say the wrong thing, and I've already been banned off Twitter. By the way, uh, Chairman Dan, the Premier of Victoria, appears to have been miraculously re-voted in uh, for the next Uh, four years as the Premier of Victoria. So we didn't expect that, uh, but we did, if you know what I mean. So there's... All right. I got family there, so I care. Sorry to hear that. Love you, Jason. Bro, uh, we'll stay in touch. Red Pill, as always, my brother from another mother. I love all the people in the audience. Please come and check out my newly retooled show. And uh, DJ Vector out. Thank you very much, guys. All right, brother. Have a great night. Appreciate you. All right. So, uh, so yeah. In his case, I mean, the I think the Australian government like has the uh, the authority to go out there and tell 
people. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, obviously the United States government has been doing it too, but it's yep. been a little bit more covert. But I mean, overtly, the Australian government can go out there and say, hey, we don't like what Vector's posting. You got to take it down right now because it's in conflict with, you know, what we say is actually happening. Yeah, there's a lot of countries that recognize that we are the pillar of freedom. We fall, it's over. Yep. And the thing is, is that what's collapsing is a constitution, the, the, the sacredness of it. And that's why this is so important that the Supreme Court pay attention here. This is a constitutional infringement. Mm-hmm. What they just did to me, straight up a constitutional infringement. And that's what they, that's, they need to deal with this. They need to take it. All right. Good stuff. Uh, next caller coming in. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Yes, my name is Nick. How are you? Nick, thank you for calling, sir. And uh, what's your question or comment for Jason? Honestly, I just want to say hi and thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate all the hard work. Thank you, man. I, I, I tell you that all I ever get is the ridicule. They're telling I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm, I mean, how dare I mess with the narrative, right? Because it's their First Amendment rights, they can do anything they want. It's their business. Last I checked, when you walk into McDonald's, the cashiers can't punch you in the face. It's against the law. Businesses cannot <laughs> do anything right. they want. That's bullshit. That's, that's just crap. They're just, they want to keep people confused. And the thing is, is that most people don't, they don't take the time. We were talking about this earlier, the, the attention span. If you've been sitting here watching the show, now you understand more than most attorneys and most judges in the United States. Why? Because it's straight up logical. It's the only mm-hmm. way it works. But you have to take the time to educate yourself. And that's what I think a lot of – we won't even make this political. A lot of people are starting to educate themselves. I mean a lot of people may have just gotten in, in a bad situation because of a global something or other. Mm-hmm. Educate yourselves. It's the only way to protect you. The government is not our friend. And, and realistically, I mean to be honest, I'm not fighting Facebook. It's fighting the government. It's true. Facebook barely even responded with it anything is. that was valuable. It was the government that People was protecting about them. Lifeline. That's who I'm fighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get that deep into it. It's one of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't be there I forever, mean, but... You it's... wouldn't believe the amount of information I know about Facebook it, oh. because of years of this stuff. This this is like the honeypot yeah, to end all honeypots here. Yeah, I, I suspect, I mean, this stuff's coming out. I, I mean, I would love if, if anybody has connections to Eric Schmidt or Jeff Landry, I really would like to talk to them because especially with the constitutional challenge, you have to have evidence, right? And they're going to have evidence of collusion with the United States. And the reality is, is that at the end of the day, they're saying, well, they're not a state actor. They are. The statute that itself makes them a state agent. They are giving commission power under an administrative law. That's the way, it, that's literally what it does. So, you know, when we address that, this is going to be key. Uh, but this, this Supreme Court thing, I mean, you're going to see that in the next, I don't know, at least two months probably. I mean, we're working on it literally daily. I'm, I'm working on the Supreme Court draft. And you know what? We don't hear enough about that. So I want to thank you. I appreciate that. Um, pay attention to the people that Instagram. are. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say pay attention to the people that are, are being suppressed the hardest. Yeah. You know, because we yeah. generally, yeah. you know, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm right about absolutely everything, but I can tell you I have more experience with this than anybody. I've been doing it for literally years exclusively. So I think we're going to get this done. I mean, I, I really do this time. I think that the Supreme Court's primed and ready. We might be able to change the internet pretty soon. And if we do that, we will I'll still get suppressed. I don't care. I didn't do this for fame. I did this for the American people. Like legitimately, it's, I would, I mean, you can't even, you have no idea the amount of money I've spent, the time and so forth. And I didn't do that just for me. 
I did that for everybody. Because if we lose this, if we lose free speech online, America's done. Yeah. The whole world's done. So it's important. Yeah, our generation to come will have nothing to talk about. Nope. No. They won't be allowed to. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be completely restricted. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I, I appreciate your call, and thank you very much for uh, your kind words. Thanks, Dick. You too. Thank right, you, guys. We'll thank see you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, we've got Chopside TMC. We had like five more people on the line, but they all hung up, you guys. We've only got two people on the line right now, so by all means, feel free to jump back on there. Uh, Chops is another regular viewer of the show. Haven't heard from him for a while, so Chops, it'll be good to hear your voice. Are you there? Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here. Hopefully my mic is not too hot. Uh, no, it's working I'm, fine. Okay, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm still playing around with the audio levels on this new thing. Uh, but uh, my question is coming to something uh, rather basic. It sounds like the uh, uh, what you're getting worked around with between uh, sections uh, one and two is they're trying to avoid any severability issues. And secondly, um, what, uh, what, when you actually have a uh, uh, docket number at the Supreme Court, I uh, should pass that around so people uh, like myself or Zach or anyone else online can actually be filing amicus briefs in support. That's that's what happened to us the first time around is, is that we couldn't get any media. And I mean, that's deliberate, right? Um, this time around, we have already secured congressional amicus. And when this all hits, just keep an eye on it. We're, I mean, I'm, I'm going to filter this through everybody. And, and specifically, uh, the, the one gentleman said he put up links. Read the Federalist article, right? Um, just plug my name in at Federalist if you don't have it, unless it's published up there. That one explains it. Like, we've got them cornered with a precedent, you know, with a, a circuit court precedent conflict. That's that's something only the Supreme Court can handle. And the reality is I'm coming with a constitutional challenge right behind that. Um, but amicus, yeah, I mean, we, we could use that from everybody and anybody, realistically. But you, you, you sort of have to educate yourself on the way this thing works literally from our filings, because if you do all of a sudden it clicks and you go, wait, that, that all makes sense. At which point then we don't, cause I'm sure we're going to get amicus in the opposite direction from, uh, from all the people that want to keep this thing as a speech weapon. Right. But, but the reality is, is, I mean, it's, it's really quite simple. C1 is supposed to be protection from the actions and, and content of another, right? Pretty simple. And then C2 is a protection when they do something in limited capacity, which is to restrict harmful content. That's it. That's all it was ever supposed to be. That's what we've got it back to. You know, the severability thing, if they can sever it, great. Pull out C2. Um, or maybe they could clarify that otherwise objectionable applies to lewd, lascivious, uh, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, in which case then they become illegal. Right. So if otherwise objectionable is supposed to be, you know, subjective specifically to those terms, it could work. Uh, you know, that's that's a court call. But if it's objective, you know, you can just whatever, anything of, of objective, you know, objectionable is way too broad because you're just respecting it. it it's a, something called a substantial overbreath doctrine. When a statute does more to harm or to chill speech, it's considered substantial overrun. And the irony here is, is that the, the AG is also arguing that uh, we violated Rule 8. It's too long. Now, you have to understand, it's 143 pages, double-spaced, okay? It's 26 years of garbage. It's 
four different doctrines it violates, five different canons of statute, uh, statutory construction, and one of which, over substantial overbreath, guess what you have to do? You have to prove that it's substantial. Do you know how you do that? Samples. Substantial amounts <laughs> they literally of literally want us to make it longer. <laughs> so of, of 143 pages, 57 are dedicated to substantial overbreath, which means that the rest of everything else is down to about an average of about nine pages per. Tell me again how it's too long. Uh, there, there's no uh, lines to color within, I guess. It's still a matter of, they're, they're trying to bounce you from one to the other to avoid any severability issues between one and two. And with, especially with one, the wording is also protecting uh, content creators like myself and RP and anyone else like that from anybody uh, thinking but... anybody else does mm-hmm. that, that makes all the sense yes. in the world you're protected from what somebody else does or says period that's what c1 supposed to be that could stay yeah. if they got it right but they're not applying it right right it's an as applied oh, yeah. issue the second portion I, I don't think they should be able to take down anything under the protection of government they can take it down they got a first amendment right they can take down anything they want if they want to make their site better go for it take it down if you do that illegally, I'm going to sue your ass. Make sense? Oh, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah, and we're sense. in full agreement with there, which is also why uh, when there's an actual docket number, I would like to be able to throw an amicus there behind you. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot that. I mean, keep an eye out for it. Uh, specifically, go to socialmediafreedom.org. Everything we're doing, we're keeping it up to date up on there. Um, but read that Federalist thing, and it'll keep you up to date. But it should be in the next... Well, we have 90 days, and that was probably – so. I mean, it has to be within the next like, 60 days we'll be in there. So we're going to get it done. Okay. All right? So watch for it. Okay. Yeah. I, I will you. definitely be sharing it, Chops, uh, once it comes out. All right, brother. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. It's good to see you. Yeah. Yep. Nice to meet you, man. Until next time. Appreciate All right, brother. We'll see you. Peace. And everybody, make sure you're following Chops ITMC over on Odyssey. And he's on Truth Social and Gab and Getter as well. All right, next caller coming in. Caller, you're on the air. Make sure you mute that stream. And can we get a name? Caller, can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Welcome to the show. Make Make sure you mute the stream in the background and then let us know what we should call you. I think she muted herself. Yeah. Well, no, she's she's not showing as muted. Um, yeah. Caller, can you hear me? Maybe she did mute herself. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was what, muted. What, what's your name? Beverly. Beverly, welcome to the program. What's your question or comment for Jason? I don't have one. I just saw this on Telegram and thought I'd join the Zoom oh. to listen in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, um, even know what this calls oh, for. To be well, it's for. it's okay. We're 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 live over on Rumble and and the Foxhole and stuff. Tell you what I'll do. I will drop the if you actually if you look at the post just above the Zoom link, uh, then you'll see the actual links to where we're live. We're live on Rumble, Odyssey, uh, Foxhole, uh, Getter, and on my website. So if you click on any of those links, then you can um, then you can listen along and uh, and you can hear uh, hear what we're talking. We're talking about Jason's cases uh, uh, regarding his censorship on Facebook and the larger issue of Internet censorship in, uh, in general. Perfect. OK, sweet. Thank you so much for calling, though. I appreciate it. That's really sweet.
All right. Have a good night. We'll see you. Thanks. Yep. No problem. Okay, cool. That was the first time I've ever shared the Zoom link on uh, Telegram, and I just figured everybody would know what I was doing. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next caller. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Sherry. I'm sorry. Do you say Sherry? Sherry. Mary. Okay. Welcome to the program. And uh, what's your question or comment for Jason? No, it's Terry. T-E-R-I. I'm sorry, Terry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But go ahead. Oh, Isaac. It's it's me, Terry, from Phoenix, Arizona, about oh. the election. Okay. Good, good, good. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Okay. I just want to make a few comments. Go ahead. I, I, we're, really, we're really pissed off and upset here. So As you should I was be. Make I think, a few comments. Yeah, you please fill us in. I mean, the whole country's pissed, and I know that um, Carrie Lake was saying that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she has a, an ongoing case that they're trying to run the clock out on, and they want to basically right, just install right, right. Katie Hobbs. Right, and there's there's a couple things I'm going to say because I worked the election. I was a clerk at the elections. I mean, I didn't just sit back. I worked the 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 uh, election. Absolutely. Thank you for your service on that. So, by the way. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I just want to make a few comments. Go ahead. You're, you're up. Okay. Hang on. Let me mute. Okay. Okay. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. Yeah. So tell us. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get my. Okay. What you got for us, Terry? We got we got a delay. Yeah, it's because you're still hearing the stream and not the Zoom okay. call. Yeah, you've got to pause the stream or mute the stream, and then um... okay, I just muted it. Okay, okay perfect. I'm okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, you know the thing. The thing is, down here in Arizona, we are pissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we're pissed. Um, I work the election. I um I was there from 5:30 in the morning until 10:30 at night. I worked a, an extreme, and they proudly, you know, paid me $13 an hour to work the election. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't need the money. I said just, you know, I'll I'll volunteer. I don't care. Um but they still volunteer. I, I still haven't gotten a check by the way. Um but um the thing is the elect the election when it came in it was within 15 20 minutes we were it was a mess mm-hmm. it was a complete mess and um we i mean we caught it kind of right, right away and we saw that the printers weren't printing but well, one thing that i need to say is I've listened and I've heard a lot of people that were working the same thing over the 225 different, you know, districts here, mm-hmm. you know, that were, that were, and they were, the, the thing is that nobody's talking about is the front of the ballot was fine. The front of the ballot looked really good. Cause I was in, I was on the printers and the front of the ballot was inspected. And I, I was looking at, at, and I was inspecting it and I was giving their, you know, their name out and everything like that. But it was the back of the ballot on the upper left hand corner in every single person I've heard 
the upper left-hand corner is the corner that wasn't printing right. Is that is that where the barcode How was? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why? Why? It was always the upper left-hand corner that wasn't printing right, and it wouldn't fill through, you know, and go through the through the tabulators. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was. It to me, it was just very interesting why those why all the printers from several, many people that I've heard through is why that upper left-hand corner wasn't printing right. It's even more interesting, Terry, when you when you understand that when they tested them the day before, they worked perfectly. Everything came out perfectly. But, I know that the uh, the, the okay, Arizona okay. Attorney General's office has requested log files from all those tabulators. Okay, okay, yeah. okay wait a minute. Now, now the, the day before, the day before the election, I worked five hours. I was in there setting up the equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was there the day before, and I made sure, okay, there's a, when the tabulators, when you're setting up the tabulators, there's a a, a divider that you have to set up mm-hmm. in between there from box three to the tabulator, you know, through the other ballots going through, and you've got to set that divider so that anything goes, goes into box three, um, sits in box three and the rest of it goes through the tabulator. Sure. And we had two tabulators running. I mean, it was, and, and I literally, I'm the one that set those up, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was a kind of a pain in the rear, but we, we did get and finally, you know, set those dividers up and, and put the locks down and the keys down. I mean, there was like six different uh, security keys we had to do to lock down that box. And at our, at our station, okay, the place where I was at. So I know that ours weren't mixed in with the others. Mm-hmm. But I, I can see where other ones maybe not, didn't, didn't set them right. Sure. You know, I don't know what they did. I know what we did. Okay. Um, there was a, a divider that you had to set up, and it was really hard to set up. To, to make that division in that box. You know, well, I, you know what, what I'm thinking probably happened, and this is just, you know, based upon my research into the capabilities of Dominion machines and, you know, whether it's the, the tabulators or, or, or whatnot, uh, you know, the fact that they have remote access capabilities, it could have been very easy for anyone. I'm going to say specifically somebody from Dominion, but allegedly let's say they did, they could remotely access those tabulators and calibrate them in such a way so that when they printed the backside of the paper, they just didn't print enough. That, that, it, it, go ahead. It, 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 it was very strange that man, many people that I talked to at different centers, mm-hmm. the, the, the upper left-hand corner of the back of the ballot did not print correctly. Yeah, well, and what it's are the like, chances? How how can all these print? How can all these printers do that? Well, it sounds like a, a feature to me. You know, I mean, it sounds to me like it was a specific instruction. Because what are the chances that the only place on the ballot that it's necessary that it has to be printed a hundred percent exactly correct is the place that right. doesn't print correct? 
So, you know, that's what it sounds like to me. And that's what I was getting at with the AG's office. They're asking for the log files from all of those tabulators, because if there was an adjustment that was made to, uh, you know, the the, the setup and, and how they were supposed to operate in between the initial test and then the actual go time on Election Day, that would be something that theoretically should be in there and they should be able to figure that out. Okay. Well, I, I can tell you that my best friend, which is my dog sitter, she she babysits my dog. Mm-hmm. She's she lives five doors down from me, and I my if my dog ever runs away from home, she runs down to Miss D's house, and Miss D came in to cast her vote. She tried to put her vote in like four or five times, and it wouldn't it wouldn't feed through, and she's handicapped. Mm-hmm. You know, so she she went through like four or five times. It wouldn't go through. And she she knows me. It's like, Miss D, you're going to vote, you know. So, you know, she she finally came up to me. She goes, Terry, I can't get my vote to go through. And so she she left. And then she and she because she had her mail in ballot at home. You know, I said, don't do the mail in ballot. Come in person. Mm-hmm. And so she went home. She filled out her mail-in ballot, and then she came back and she signaled me because uh, I was busier than crap. And she came back and she signaled me. She goes, "Terry, I came back. Here's my vote." You know, to let me know what she'd put in the drop box. Mm-hmm. But because I mean, the the ballots were not going through. Right. You know, it was they were they were just not going through. You know, I and mean- it's the thing is there there is so much. Uh, just dis- I don't disconnect. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on in Arizona right now. I mean, I it's it's really crazy because there are so many people that are filing complaints, and there are so many. And, and I see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took the crap on the front lines. Sure. You know, I mean, people were yelling and screaming at me like I was the one responsible for you know for the crap. Sure, of course. You know, yeah, yeah. And, well, and and they they there's there's so much crap going on down here. I don't know how they can possibly uh, confirm this election. I mean, uh, I I seriously don't. Well, I I, I think I, I I tend to agree with you, and I think most people do. And, you know, the uh, the the request that I had mentioned from the AG's office, I don't know if you saw me talking about that the other day, but there is a whole laundry list of things that the AG, the Election Integrity Unit, is asking from Maricopa County and from each of those precincts. Uh, and, and they have a, a deadline. The deadline actually is the date for the deadline of certification as well. Uh- uh, right. So, so, right. you know, you know, I mean, if I was the AG's office, I probably would have done it before the deadline for certification, because then if there is a problem they can identify, they can actually point to, uh, then they're not going to have this it's, urgency. It's not, it's not even there was a problem. It's like, there's videos out there. I mean, you can see lines were going like two and a half hour lines, oh, yes. three hour lines going around blocks. I mean, yep. it's, it was, it was crazy. It was ridiculous what we went through. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this was the first time ever I worked an election, you right. know, and I just felt it was my duty to work an election trial by fire. And well, uh, and, and, and it, it was ridiculous what we went through because it was a from the first hour we went in there, it it clogged down. It was mm-hmm. a it clogged down. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it seems, you know, I, I, I think that most people agree that there's nothing organic about what happened uh, and the manner in which they uh, ensured that Katie Hobbs would be the winner at the end of it, because it's just too many things all at once. And, you know, we, you know, once is coincidence, twice is happenstance, three times is uh, is a pattern. You know, So a lot of patterns well, happening well, in Arizona elections. OK, well, no, I, I want to say one thing that I think. Okay. Um, if they're if they're if they're uh, working through their basement and not doing uh, interviews and not doing anything, you bet you better watch what the elections are doing. Oh yeah, of course. Because if they're yeah, yeah, because because Katie Hobbs just worked through her basement. She never came out. And she never did anything. She she, she and it's the same Joe damn Biden. pattern we saw. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Campaign just like Biden. Yep. All right. Well, listen, you, Terry, you, Terry, we, we've got it. We got to uh, bounce on to the next caller. But I really appreciate you calling in. And um, is there all right, honey. is there anything that you want to tell people just in terms of like if they're in Arizona and they saw something, do you know where they can go to report it? Um, If they're in Arizona right now and they and they saw anything and they can report it. Go to the Arizona AG uh, assistant AG, not okay. the AG. Yeah, not the assistant AG. Yeah, right. The yep. assistant AG and file a an affidavit. Okay. All and right. there are thousands coming in right now. We need more. Okay, you hear so, that, everybody? If you're in okay. Arizona, get out there and do it. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate it, and thank you for your service on election okay. day. Okay. All right. All we'll right. Love you, you, honey. Love you too. We'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And, okay. And the person just hung up. So we have uh, uh, about 18 more minutes left. If you guys have any questions or comments about the case or about what's coming up, please feel free to jump on. Uh, so, Jason, uh, obviously, we've mentioned a couple of times uh, my own inclusion in a case that was dealing with some similar circumstances. Um, you know, I got to say, I'm I'm kind of excited about where your case is going because we're now at the point where we got shot down in uh, in the Tenth Circuit, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was the Ninth. I'd have to ninth. look at Ninth. Okay. Yeah, the Ninth Circuit. You guys were scheduled the same day I was supposed to be scheduled, right. but they vacated my my oral arguments that day. Yeah, I was I was actually streaming it live, and I was expecting it, and I saw you just disappear, and uh, and never happened. So, but your case could potentially offer us some remedy for if uh, if we take it to the Supreme Court, if we have the opportunity. And, and, you know, it's all about money at this point. I mean, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting it through, you know, two lower courts. And now to get it to the Supreme Court, which is really the the only place that I think that we have an opportunity for remedy, it, we, we have to continue to raise money. And it's just, you know, it, it seems like an insurmountable task sometimes. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now is yeah. because I've I've. Uh... You know, I, I don't do the podcast. I don't do the the attention stuff. I've just been working on the problem. And, you know, it's it's all out of pocket for me. You know, the same sort of situation. You know, people don't understand. Um, just like, and I don't even know if you know this, but do you know that the, the books, you can expect between ten dollars and $14,000 just to present the books to the Supreme Court. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. hard cost. You're actually, you can see one right behind me. See the, the white book back there. Mm-hmm. That was our first run on the Supreme Court. It's, you know, it's like four or 500 pages long, but you have to supply it in writing in a book. Well, there's only two, I think, two suppliers that do it. So you're sort of caught in their, you know, their cost. That's just, that's starting. Then, of course, you have lawyers. Then you have like all these, I mean, you know, 
And the thing is, is that, you know, I, I could definitely use help. If people really want this done, the thing that I've, I've come to find out about conservatives, they don't help that much. No, they don't. You know, Democrats will throw money at everything, whatever they're told to do. And it's one of those, I want people to understand what I'm doing here is for them. I solve this. I change the internet. I, li- I will literally change the world at the same time. And they are fighting tooth and nail, everything they can to stop me. You know, the trolls, I guarantee you they're paid. Absolutely. Online, as soon as you mention Section 230, Big Tech, or any one of the other searchables, they come in and say, oh, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. We're the experts. No, they're not. They're not at all. And you know why I know that? Because I would have I would have loved to have any one of them come on here and debate me because I would have embarrassed them. <laughs> because I'm, I'm not some guy that just, you know, came up with some theory out of nowhere. No, I don't have a court that has backed me until the Fourth Circuit just proved we were right. Go read the Federalist article. It lays it out there for you. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that if we solve this, nobody else has to sue in that sense, right? And, and honestly, just as a suggestion on yours, right? The point of remedy is, is that if you're, and, and it's funny because the AG just said this, he says, because he doesn't realize we're on our second run. I've already been denied all remedy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to overturn a judgment that already exists. So this isn't like an appeals normal. This is, Hey, look, you screwed up. We've got these other cases that prove you screwed up. Do you mind giving me my constitutional justice here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you're dealing with now, yep. is your pivot is that they're saying, well, sue the state. Don't sue the, 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 you know, the Google, whatever. And the thing is, is that you know, it might be that you guys hit the Supreme, get dismissed, and pivot on a constitutional challenge, just like I did, go sue the state. Right. That may be. I mean, it's a it's a long journey, and it kind of sucks that you have to do it that way. But you have to be denied all remedy. But your claim now gets into the constitutional realm. That's, I mean, that's what's bizarre about the ninth is we told them in the court documents, take due care that in dismissing my case again, you are denying me all remedy and my due process rights. They willfully ignored my constitutional rights. That's not negligence. That's not a mistake. Denied. We told them this thing has turned into a full blown constitutional fight mm-hmm. because they, the government. And see, the thing is, these courts are sovereign, right? They they can't be held accountable unless it's willful. So there has been a movement that I've seen. Um, like, um, have you heard the name Josh Barnett? He ran for Congress. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay, so I, I've I've been working with Josh a lot lately, and Josh is, you know, they're looking at this constitution, non-judicial hearings. Like back when this thing turns into, hey, look, you don't even have jurisdiction over my constitutional rights. We act, we basically gave you the power to adjudicate and you abused that power. You abused your oath to office. This is a whole different pivot that we're getting into now because the courts are just not, they're legitimately not doing the job that they're even have the power to do. Now, and it's funny because, oh, back to the debate thing. In fact, we're actually putting on an event, uh, the Social Media Freedom Foundation, right? Socialmediafreedom.org. If you want to help contribute, we really could use the help because this is a real fight for you guys, right? But we're going to be putting on an event in uh, May 11th through 13th in California uh, called the Internet e- uh, Equality Summit, all right? And that is it, – it, we literally just put it all together. Uh, Dennis Prager has uh, agreed to be one of our keynotes. Um, but it is not a partisan event. 
it, it is purely, hey, look, the internet is supposed to be an equal playing field, right? It, it's not supposed to be tipped in any direction. You know, you know, they come up with these catchphrases, oh, harm and what words, words are words. You know, they create real world harm. This is just like words. So where do we get this equality thing? You know, like we're so that's what we're going to be doing. Um, it's in uh, Palm Springs, California, uh, the Riviera. Uh, what is it? No, it's the Esmeralda, uh, May 11th through 13th. And we we welcome people to to join because we're gonna we're gonna try and talk. We're gonna invite the big tech companies. Come talk to us. I, I'd be happy to debate anybody on Section 230. Come tell me how it works. I dare you. You know, the the great irony about this whole thing is that you're right. This is not a partisan issue. I mean, a constitutional issue, the Constitution, uh, you know, it applies to all Americans equally. And the the just the crazy thing is that it used to be the left that was pushing issues of free speech until they got the upper hand and it was conservatives who were the ones getting censored. And then, you know, the right kind of picks it up and the left is just standing there gloating. But what they don't realize is that they're only the ones who are not getting censored at this moment, because once this kind of stuff is codified, once our rights are completely stripped away, once we have no more remedy or anywhere else to go or anything that we can do to address it, they're next. It's they're going to be the next ones getting pushed onto the trains to go to the gas chambers. You know, I mean, like it's the exact way it's happened many times in the past, you know, and people might think that's hyperbolic. But like this is a uh, this is a cumulative issue. OK, it's going to accumulate over time. Our rights are getting stripped away more and more and more and more and more until the only thing we're going to have left is our lives. And I don't think that they're all that uh, mm-hmm. uh, they don't care about taking that either. Mm-hmm. No, no, they'll, they'll take that too. I mean, it's weird because it, it, it's like they come at us and they go, govern me harder, government. Yeah. Like, well, no, leave me alone. Like, that's, yeah. that's, we're getting backed into a corner. And that's the only reason that you would see people like us being dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're backing me into a corner. You're going to give me no way out. And I'm not going to give up. Like, that's, that's the problem. And that's what a lot of us are facing right now is how do we deal with this? This thing, that's why it's so important for the court to deal with this because. Let's deal with words before we start dealing with lead. Like exactly. this is really dangerous what we're playing with right now because our country is collapsing. And um, you know, like I, the way I'm I'm looking at this is, is that the Constitution has to be respected here. You know, and if we don't get the free speech, because everybody's talking about like, oh well, yeah, this election thing is more important. No, it's actually not, and I'll explain why. Because do you know when? Do you know when? Um, the truth doesn't matter. So it's a really solid question. You know when the truth really doesn't matter? No, tell me. When no one hears it. Yeah, absolutely. Very true. There's your answer to this whole thing. If no one can hear what's going on in Arizona or any one of these elections or where people are being killed overseas or, or, or Hunter Biden's laptop, right? Yep. If no one hears the information, no one, the, the, the country will never save itself. Mm-hmm. Information is key. That's why it's number one on the on the amendments. It is the most important. The fact is, is that where the internet begins is not where free speech ends. We all know that. Mm-hmm. It, believe it or not, Section two thirty, it does stomp on it to some degree, and we got to pull it apart. It's important. So, so we true. welcome amicus from anybody. You know, like we're 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 not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'll be damned. You know, it'd be great if people could help us. You know, bankroll this thing because, you know, it's it's expensive. You know, to pull this stuff off. 
And or so, and so again, if you do want to contribute, if you want to help out the cause, then you can go to socialmediafreedom.org forward slash donations, and you should be able to get right there. But if you just hit the donate button, once you get to the website, you can donate. Now, is the Social Media Freedom Foundation, is that a, a 501c3, 501c4? Uh, what, what is the uh, structure there? It is a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, it is specifically geared to freedom of speech online. That is what our goal is. Um, so it is tax deductible, yeah. uh, you know, to, to basically to support free speech. And we are not a partisan thing. This is not about, in fact, do you, this, I don't know if this has ever actually happened before, but remember I've, I've been saying, go read that Federalist article that I just put out there. Yep. Do you know who actually republished that? Who? Occupy Democrats. Oh, really? Well, that's surprising. I like that. Very nice. Washington Press. Because it's not partisan. Like, my entire argument is not at all partisan. It comes down to, this is not the way the law is supposed to work. Let's fix the law. And it infringes upon constitutional rights. It doesn't, I don't, because everybody's looking at me, you know, oh, conservatives are going, oh, conservatives, free speech. And then the left is going, oh, businesses and antitrust. And I'm going, how about just getting the law to work the way it was supposed to work right, and right. fit within the Constitution? That's like, all I'm after. Your 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 explanation of what must be done to Section 230 to make it harmonious seems so simple. And I guess this is a, another really important question. If all it requires is just some small tweaking just to – ensure that the language is correct so that it can be implemented properly. Why can't we get any, why can't we get a, a, a bill sponsored by, um, by Matt Gates or somebody, you know, I mean, somebody, and does it even require like another bill? I mean, don't, don't they have the power to just go in there and say, Hey, we just need to tweak this so that it works. That's a really good point, actually. Um, and there's two resolutions here. Either the Supreme court clarifies C1 mm -hmm. and gets rid of C2 or clarify C2 so that it at least gets close to the Constitution, because, again, it could be just um, illegal content, unlawful content. Then it would be pretty dang close. But, like I said, I, I wrote the Online Freedom Act. It took me five, six months, right? I, like, legit sat down, looked at every single word, considered everything. It is absolutely – like, if they wanted to do a legislative change that would make sure that this doesn't happen again – Mm -hmm. All we've done is we've come in, clarified C1 the way it was supposed to be, and we rewrote C2 so that it only fits within Constitution. Now, what I mean by that is the government can only remove certain speech, right? There is there is speech that can be removed mm -hmm. constitutionally. Child pornography, for example, things Absolutely. that are specifically unlawful. That's the only power they could ever convey because they don't have the ability to go any further than that. So if C2 were in line with only unlawful content, C2 could stand. And we re rebuilt it so that that would work. And the other thing that was missing is, remember we were talking about the affirmative defense and that there's no showing of anything. Right. Well, one of the things that when you delegate regulatory authority to any commission, any private, public, doesn't matter, okay? The If they're a public commission, you know, like the FCC, for example, they have to abide by what's called the APA, the, the Administrative Procedures Act. OK, right. they have rules. They got to do it a certain way. They got to be neutral. That's what Ted Cruz was talking about, mm -hmm. that they're supposed to be neutral because it is a delegation. It doesn't matter that they're private. But the problem is, is that because they're private, they don't actually have to follow the APA. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. 
So what we yeah. did with with the Online Freedom Act, which is which is actually hosted on the site as well, it's just so that people could you know have access to it. But you can go to OFA uh, the Online Freedom Act dot uh, org uh, if you want to go direct. But you know, I'm a co-author on that with David Morgan. It specifically gives obligations. And he says, well, you can't compel them to do anything. The obligations don't do that. The obligations say that if you want the privilege of liability protection, you must act within the obligations. You can voluntarily choose not to follow the obligations, but guess what? You lose your privilege. There you go. I mean, Pretty it's simple. simple. Very simple. Very, right. very simple. So, then, so that's how it's built. So I guess final question, because we're almost out of time. <clears throat> Knowing that you've created a solution, knowing that you've identified the problems <clears throat> and knowing that Congress has failed to act again and again and again, do you think they're just kicking the can to wait on the Supreme Court to finalize this and make the decision so that they don't have to address it and they can just, you know, point someplace else again? Um, my true opinion is, is that many of the Congress members, and it's not a partisan issue, I think it's on both sides, they know what they have. They have the ability to control, right? Because they are the government. They have the power, and that's what they like. They don't want to fix this. I've I've read. I mean, there's like thirty plus bills that are being introduced, mm -hmm. and they're garbage. I mean, flat out garbage. I can punch holes in them so easily. They'll they'll completely screw everything up. I mean, when you're writing an antitrust bill that's 450 pages long, it doesn't need it. It, it is so simple to fix. If they if but first off, they have to identify the problem. We've done that. They didn't do it. Okay. So if the Supreme Court does it, they could set the law in place to where it was before, in which case it wouldn't be the problem. It wouldn't be the necessity to change it if they do it. If they don't do it, well, the legislative change, anything that they could do, they could make it worse. 230 right. is really not the problem here. It's the courts. So if we get them to the courts to do what was intended as opposed to what they just chose to do, legislatures could fix it. Now. Everybody that's watching this should be appalled. Look how far down the road I am. Look how much I've gotten this thing. I've got it all sorted out. I've got it fixed, and they won't pay attention. You should be pissed. Mm -hmm. I'm pissed. I've been sitting in their meetings, and I mean, I got to the point where I was like, you know why there's quotes on Good Samaritan? Remember that whole conversation? Mm -hmm. And everybody in the room, now I've got congressmen there, I've got lawyers there, everybody shook their head no. And I said, so why the hell are you guys trying to change it if you don't even understand it? Mm -hmm. Does that tell you something? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, everybody that wants to come at me, I'm like, oh, I, I can tell you absolutely everything, every word. I know it verbatim because I've done this for years. We know how to fix it. It's on your audience now. It's on everybody. You should be yelling at your government saying, why are you not listening to this guy? And hopefully the Supreme Court does because – Man, this will cut a path for everybody. It would be great. Absolutely. I think they know it's coming, though. Seeing all these people getting fired, you know, I mean, why did why did Facebook, the one company that I'm I'm suing, change his name to Meta and then all of a sudden lost? Mm -hmm. Lost almost a trillion dollars. Yeah. Lost. Yeah. Lost where? Well, mm, corporate veil. You, you get where I'm going with this thing? Oh, I don't want to make any accusations. But man, it looks like they're preparing for the apocalypse. Could be, could be. Well, I, I know I, for one, am certainly excited about what's coming. Uh, I, I'm not one of those doomers. It's not over until it's over, guys. We have to right. just keep fighting. Let me go through the final thank yous over here on the Foxhole. But let me also say 
The RiseAttireUSA.com Black Friday special. You can get Red Pill 78 merchandise. Uh, you can get merchandise from a lot of your favorite podcasters. Go to RiseAttireUSA.com. If you use code BLACK15, you get 15% off everything store-wide. If you use code BLACK20 on orders over $100, you get 20% off. But again, RiseAttireUSA.com, you can uh, get gear that has uh, my stuff on it. So let me say thank you to FilterDog1. He says, great show. Nikaz808 says, great info, confusing, but it's broken down so it's easy to understand. Purposeful. Thank you for that cookie. Delia says, I was a clerk too. They don't have remote access. They didn't run test ballots through the tabulators. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Zoso dude. Hey, good to see you, buddy. He says the classiest, most patient man in the truth biz. You rock RP. Thank you. Make sure you're following Zoso dude as well, who just joined the YouTube deletion club along with myself and a bunch of other of my friends. Uh, Just Josie says, uh, number eight, smart. Ponlo Picasso dropping a cookie. Vader369 with the ship. Thank you very much for that. Chops ITMC. The money fines only hurt the poor while bags of cash weigh the scales. This must be changed. You won't get an argument from me. Chops also says, I'm tempted to place a crayon amicus brief, but I will not. Yeah, definitely type it up. That's insane to me that you have to present cases to the Supreme Court in the form of a book. Like, how ridiculous. Like, I mean, we can just print things nowadays. I just... uh, that seems like an antiquated thing because, uh, uh, you know, are they keeping it? I mean, do they do they put these uh, uh, the, these cases on their, on their bookshelves? Uh, th- so Pi says, have you tried common law affidavits to compel the courts? See citizens of the American Constitution dot net. A- anything about that? Uh, that's actually what Josh Barnett and uh, David Jose. OK, is, uh, we're talking about is common law affidavits. Um you know, it's one of those you sort of have to throw it at them and say, look, everything you guys are doing with your with your authority is violating my common law rights. Mm-hmm. And we are we we basically indicated that to the Ninth Circuit in filings. We're going to bring an affidavit to the United States Supreme Court as well and say, look, damn it, respect my rights. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, it, I mean, at, at bare minimum, at least hear the damn thing. Four years, not one court has heard it. And everybody says, you lost. I wasn't heard. You were denied. Yeah, you were denied. Denied at every turn because they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, we need it done. And 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 I mean, I'm, you know, believe it or not, like my my hero of all people, just Clarence Thomas. The absolute. I mean, I don't idolize too many people, but that man, that is one smart, smart man. I am just blown away. And it was funny because what he brought up in Enigma was exactly what our case was talking about. He called it into question. They said, oh, it's, they called it obiter dictum. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just passing phrase, 10 pages in a denial of certain that he did it twice. Just a passing. Well, now I've got precedent. I've got actual precedent that confirms we were right all along. I can, I can, I can see Justice Thomas planning something like that to ensure that there would be something for you guys to latch on to. Because, you know, he's, he said this a number of times that we need to address Section 230. We and, do. Absolutely. So we're about the future to of America it. is literally based. On, I mean, the future of America is hanging in the balance. This decision will literally decide. I mean, it's way more important than all these other cases. Very true. Freedom of speech has to exist online and they have to respect what that law can and cannot do within the Constitution. And it's sorry. 
It's the First Amendment for a reason. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for being here. And uh, thank you thank to you, everybody Zach. for hanging out with us out in there in the audience. Uh, let me see. Somebody, oh, FedCure says, Zach, you can draft a simple amendment proposal, run a petition on change, change.org. And then it looks like uh, you have your own amendment that you've put in there. Um, absolutely. Please go check out uh, the website, which is in the description of the video, but socialmediafreedom.org. Uh, thank you once more. Jason, you want to tell anybody else any uh, uh, any additional social media accounts that you want them to, them to follow? Like, I, I get you're on Truth Social. <laughs> I, I am on Truth Social. I don't use it very much, uh, unfortunately, just because, you know, it, it's kind of an echo chamber. The thing is, you have yeah. to be able to talk across sides. Um, Twitter has become sort of my platform of choice, and it's real simple, at Jason Fick, uh, F as in Frank YK. Um, you can follow me on, on, uh, Facebook. And I mean, I love it every day cause I'm waiting for them to take me down. And they did take another page for me, uh, what, like three, four months ago, just disappeared on me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, reality is, is that I think Twitter, Twitter might be the place to, to hold on for the time being, because, uh, you know, what Elon's got going on. And oh, I want him to be I careful. Elon's got to be really careful. Cause everybody's like, throw out everything that Twitter does. Mm-hmm. I did. And I'm like, you understand he's accepting the liability of Twitter too, when he bought the company. Yes. So absolutely. he needs to be very careful how he plays that. I, I, it's one of those, I don't want to see him implode himself because. Well, you know what I heard? The, I, Twitter, it's already profitable. With all the people yeah. that he fired, all oh, the sure. crap, all the fat that he cut, it's already making money. So uh, it, yep. I love it. I, I am very, very excited, especially since he oh, just announced that he's going to offer mass amnesty to everybody who got deleted. I, I broke no rules on Twitter, no terms of service. They just deleted me because I was a Trump yep. supporter and I talked about conspiracy stuff. And so I was dangerous and they had to get rid of me. Hunter Biden's laptop was totally legit. And now it has been verified all up and down the mainstream media, no longer just in the alternative media. And any reason they had to delete me is now completely in the wind. Poof, it's gone. That, uh, so. that statement bugs me. Conspiracy theory. Oh, that's it the thing. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Yes, that's the it's, thing. I it's use theory, it with, but it's not wrong. I use it with der- derision, you know? I mean, like, it's not yeah. – here's the thing is that all of the things that, that we've discussed over the years, you know, it went from a theory to now being proven as fact. And the turnaround on that stuff, Jason, has gone from years to months to weeks and now sometimes even days, even hours. You know, look at yeah. uh, the the uh, uh, let's take a look at the, uh, the 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 missile, the Russian missile that the Washington Post and an unnamed intelligence official, probably somebody from the clowns in America, put out the word that it was a Russian missile. And then just within a couple of hours. Oh, guess what? It was actually a Ukrainian anti-aircraft missile. So, you know, World War Three has been averted. Yeah. Oops, we almost started a war. Yeah. Our bad. Yeah. My fault. But it wasn't misinformation because we thought it was was real. Exactly. It, it, it's just it drives me nuts. Yeah. All right. But so hey, everybody- exactly. exactly. It, was, it, it was really great. I got to say this. Zach, to give somebody the platform to to be able to explain all this stuff, man, it's great. It's good because I remember I, I used to watch this stuff pretty much before you got wiped out. Yep. But it was, you know, the point is, is that we just get the information across. We're not always right. We know mm-hmm. that we're not always right. Yeah. But we do everything we can that when we're wrong, I'm cool. I'll delete a tech, delete a yeah. tweet. I'll delete a, I'd say, yep, I'm wrong. I'm, I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Don't just tell me I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. You know, you know what I like to do? I like to leave up when I'm wrong and then call attention to it so that it doesn't look like I'm trying to memory hole it. I want people to be able to see go. the the uh, uh, the evolution of my work and understand that right. I'm not infallible. None of us are. None of us are. No, All exactly. Right. 
All right. So, Jason, thank you so much. You are always welcome back. Don't hang up because uh, when I end the show for the audience, I have a couple more things I want to say. But everybody else out there in the audience, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for supporting the show. And I'll be back on Monday. Until that time, good luck and God bless. We'll see you then.